You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You could steer yourself any direction you choose. The immortal words of Theodore Seuss Geisel. Dr. Seuss, of course. And that was the opening line of a Dr. Seuss classic. Oh, the places you'll go. Always popular at this time of year. You know, final exams are wrapping up. Convocation is coming up. And oh, the places you'll go starts flying up to the top of the bestseller lists. It's a rite of spring. Happens every single year, just as reliably as the snow melting, the birds coming back, and Queen students leaving town. I'm Deborah Melman Clement, and this is Cause and Effect, a Queen's Alumni Review podcast where we dive into the motivations of our philanthropists and explore what they're passionate about and the impact they have on the world. You know, it's not surprising that Oh, the Places You'll Go is such a big seller at this time of year. After all, it's a story with universal appeal. Well, actually, it's not really a story at all, is it? It's just a narrator talking to a young person, giving them a preview of how their life might unfold one day. It's the perfect optimistic message for a new graduate with the world at their feet. Allison Williams had the world at her feet and her feet in her shoes when she graduated from high school in the spring of 2005. Now, her world was pretty narrowly defined at that point. Emo, Ontario. Population 1,200. A little hunting and fishing resort town on the Rainy River just across the Minnesota border. I think we sort of forget now that in recent history, places like that did feel very far away and, and disconnected from the rest of the world. So, you know, I very much had a rural upbringing in a fairly, fairly isolated place. Allison was happy in Emo. She was a good student, active and involved in high school life. Like the kid in the story, she was too smart to go down any not-so-good street. And also like that kid, she couldn't find any street that she'd like to go down, and in that case, of course, headed straight out of town. Straight out of town for Allison meant Queens, a 21-hour drive from Emo. She'd never seen it before, but she had heard about it in high school from Mrs. Breer, her beloved English teacher. And so when Mrs. Breer mentioned that she had gone to Queens and had a really positive experience and, you know, she encouraged all of us to consider attending Queens, I I paid attention and I thought, oh, wow, maybe, you know, a place like Queens would be a a cool place for me to go, uh, even though it was, you know, so much farther away than than the other options that, that most of my peers were considering. When Allison arrived at Queens, she experienced a bit of culture shock. Well, actually, most people experience culture shock when they come to Queens. But Allison's culture shock was a little different. For me, Kingston felt really, really big and exciting. And I remember finding it a kind of a funny contrast to some of the other students that I met in my first year um, who were from Toronto and, and larger centers who really felt like, you know, they were they were sort of heading out to, you know, a, a more you know rural and calm and small environment. And, and so, you know, it was just it was very interesting to, to sort of contrast those experiences with mine, which was well, Kingston was this giant, exciting new place. The sense of possibility she felt. It was like Dr. Seuss was writing to her. It's opener there in the wide open air. Out there, things can happen and frequently do to people as brainy and footsie as you. And then things start to happen. Don't worry. Don't stew. Just go right along. You'll start happening too. 
Okay, I promise you, that is the last time I'm going to quote, oh, the places you'll go. But, you know, not long after Allison arrived at Queens, she did start happening. Or maybe a better way of saying that is she made things happen. A lot of things. In my first year, I was an an intern with the AMS, the Alma Mater Society. So I was really exposed to student government and, you know, exposed to all the clubs and committees that are supported by the AMS. And I ended up having a, a pretty significant leadership experience in my second year. I was the social issues commissioner for the for the AMS. And that was a kind of early as a second year student to take on, you know, that type of uh, student leadership opportunity. But in some ways, it kind of I felt like I had a bit of a, you know, a, a head start in a way because I kind of knocked that <laughs> that opportunity kind of off the list. And that was just her first two years. She did even more in her next two. I managed the food bank. I also became involved with uh, the Office of Advancement, some of the student uh, leadership opportunities there. In my fourth year, I was the the inaugural president, I guess, of the the, the, uh, Queen Student Alumni Association. She was also a residence don and a server at Clark Hall Pub, and she belonged to a group that wrote skits about social issues and performed them at high schools in Kingston. To say that her calendar was full, probably an understatement. And at the heart of it all was a desire to belong, to find that community that comes so easily in a small town. I'm this young person who, you know, is feeling really, really far away from my family. And I think, you know, the other thing was, is no one else from my high school came to Queens. I didn't know anyone at all. And so I think because of that, I was maybe looking, looking earlier and perhaps more, uh, earnestly to find community at Queens. There was one other thing Allison did when she was at Queens. She became a philanthropist. You know, advancement professionals love to talk about student donors because they're the ones who are most likely to graduate and become alumni donors. But the truth is, they're not that common, you know, because most students are on a pretty tight budget. So what makes someone want to become a student donor? I think it probably truly is connected to how I really threw myself into all of that Queens had to offer. Because even when I was at Queens, I think I really had a strong sense of gratitude for what being a part of that community provided me. Gratitude. There it is again. It's the single biggest motivator for philanthropy especially at Queen's. Queen's set me on a path academically and also extracurricularly that that basically set me up to launch me onto the career path that I have and that, you know, that I find really personally satisfying and, and, and gratifying. Allison's career path led her to graduate school and eventually to law school. Today, she's a staff lawyer at a nonprofit clinic that gives free legal representation to vulnerable kids and homeless young adults. You know, there's been a a social justice thread throughout a lot of the things that I did at Queen's. And Queen's provided me the basis sort of to continue being involved in social justice. And now, you know, I work as a lawyer at a community legal clinic doing that type of work in my career. I don't know if if I would have ended up in the place that I am now had I not gone to Queens. I think things might be a bit different. Allison's gratitude extends just a little bit further. 
not just to the university itself, but also to the donors who contributed to the bursaries that helped make it possible for a young woman from Emo, Ontario to study at Queen's. Knowing that you're going to have to travel and pay for your accommodations wherever you end up, you know, that can be a pretty daunting task. And, you know, and then also paying for trips back and forth, like that's an, that's another expense that students that don't have the option of, of attending school locally have. So, you know, I think the financial assistance definitely sort of made attending Queen's something that was, that might have been out of reach had I not had some financial support. Today, she pays that generosity forward, giving to bursaries that make a Queen's education available to a whole new generation of students. Allison's cause is young people, and her passion is philanthropy. It's a passion she hopes to keep indulging throughout her lifetime. I don't know if I'll ever be one of those people that, you know, regularly attends galas and has a ton of money to donate. But I think I will continue just to support Queen's, and as my resources change or increase, You know, my hope is that, you know, I'll be able to sort of continue to uh, support Queen's and to increase my giving as my income and circumstances allow and, you know, to continue to find causes within the cause that excite me. Recently, she discovered a whole new way to indulge her passion. One of the things that I started doing at some point was when I do make a donation, I, I will typically make a donation in honor of someone. I just saw that on the form and I thought, well, why, why not, you know, make my donations in honor of people that have had a, you know, a meaningful impact on me or my, my choice to make this specific gift. And so typically now when I make a donation to Queens, I will make it in honor of someone and Queens will send them a note on my behalf saying, Allison has made a donation on your behalf. And, you know, I get to write a nice little note and people are always very touched. Now, to be fair, Allison's extraordinary commitment to philanthropy is probably a reflection of the time she spent at Queen's Advancement. You see, in addition to her term as president of the Student Alumni Association, she also spent her first year after graduation working at the Office of Advancement. Having been the first Student Alumni Association president, I got to work closely with some of the staff in the Office of Advancement, and I guess they liked working with me and liked my enthusiasm for the the student alumni relations, and so they invited me to be put forth as their candidate for the TD Insurance Melange Monix Fellowships, where schools can apply to have a fellow to work with them for a year. And so I was Queen's candidate and I was selected. So yeah, I got to, uh, I got to spend another, another year at Queen's working on, yeah, and I think it was primarily young alumni projects, but that was also an amazing opportunity, you know, traveling to different cities to meet alumni and just getting a different perspective on the activities of advancement sort of from an insider's perspective and, you know, the importance of of fundraising and and supporting the mission of the university. She continues her relationship with advancement today as a member of the Queen's University Alumni Association's Board of Directors. Not just any member, mind you. You probably won't be surprised to learn that Allison is the Director of Giving. And, you know, all that experience with the world of advancement makes her uniquely qualified to share some insight on how to sustain a great relationship with an enthusiastic young donor, if you're lucky enough to find one. 
paying attention to your students. It's very easy to have students around and perhaps not to, you know, really make them feel part of the bigger picture. And I think that that's been a, a real success with the, the relationships that I have with the staff at Advancement was that I always felt really engaged, really welcomed. It has a lot to do with the staff really making me feel like I was sort of a, an important and valued part of the community even when I was a student. Again, not when I'm not waiting for me to be sort of a, a lady in a ball gown at, <laughs> at gala dinners. It's pretty good advice, isn't it? When you find a donor who clearly cares about your cause, listen to them. Make them feel like they're part of the family. Because you know that enthusiasm, that commitment, it's the key to fundraising success. It's the key to impact. It's the key to everything. You know, I promised I wasn't going to quote, oh, the places you'll go again. And I won't. Instead, I'm going to wrap up with a line from another Dr. Seuss classic that also seems like it was written just for Allison. This one's from The Lorax. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. I want to take one last moment to thank everyone who makes this podcast possible, starting with our executive producers, Karen Bertrand and Scott Anderson. I'd also like to thank my advancement colleagues, Michelle Foucault, Sarah Franca, Natalie Shearer, Alex Bashera, Callum Linden, Yeshi Dolma, Grace Morton, and Wendy Treverton. And of course, I want to thank Allison Williams, who had such a great story to share with us. Hey, do you have a great philanthropy story that you're ready to share? If you do, we so want to hear from you. You can reach out to your relationship manager if you have one, or you can look for me on the advancement staff directory at queensu.ca. I'm Deborah Melman Clement, and this was Cause and Effect. If you want more, you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google, or Amazon. <laughs>